0: So, I'm continuing the series on Peter this morning. We started last week. um, And we're going to be looking at Jesus and Peter walking on the water. And this week, I've been... I don't know, anyone else been slightly interested or even fixated with the whole moon landing, you know, 50 years ago? Anyone else been looking at that? So, stat, there's lots of stats out there. But stat of the week for me has been that in the control room at NASA when they managed to obviously land Apollo, uh, no, Apollo 11 sorry, on the moon, the combined power of all the computers in that control room was less than one smartphone. No, I know. I know. Amazing. Does that mean, in theory, I can land a man on the moon with my phone? Amazing. Anyway, so I've been... I've been it's intriguing. I feel like there's almost a, a nice kind of symmetry to it. I'm, this morning I'm talking about Jesus and Peter walking on water... At the weekend, we celebrate 50 years of, of man doing the impossible and walking on the moon. Um, so, yeah, anyway, so we're continuing the Peter series. Uh, we started last week, we looked at the theme of obedience. And this week, kind of, what I want to do is continue that. So, we're looking really at how obedience leads to faith, and then faith leads us to take risks, take risk. And um, before we get into it, so what we're going to be looking at is, is that story. It's Matthew 14, chapter 14 of Matthew's Gospel. And the Gospels are the four books that talk about the life of Jesus. If, you've, if you're not familiar with the Bible or just getting to know your Bible, there's four books, kind of about two-thirds of the way through, that talk all about this, the kind of miracles and the teachings of Jesus. So we're looking at Matthew's Gospel today. And the chapter 14 is a fairly dramatic chapter. Um, at the start of it, uh, John the Baptist, who was a prophet, very close to Jesus, uh, he's executed by the king, uh, by the ruler at the time. It's very sad. Jesus is really troubled by that. And then it goes on to a very famous story of Jesus feeds 5,000 people, at least 5,000 people there. I reckon it was probably more than that when you include all the children and women there as well. It probably only lists the men. And at least 5,000 people are fed using just hardly any resources, just a few loaves and fishes. And immediately Jesus moves on again. There's a crowd of people, and he says to his disciples, we're going on again. And he says to them, you get in a boat, which is there by the Sea of Galilee. You get in the boat, go back to to the other side of the lake, and I'm going to go and pray, I'm going to be on my own for a bit, and and then I'll catch you up. On the Sea of Galilee, where a lot of the stories about Jesus take place, is a, is a lake, it's a freshwater lake, um, it's about 13 miles long, and about 8 miles wide, at its widest point, point. and they up in a place called Bethsaida, which is on the northeast side of the lake, so up at the top of the lake, and uh, he basically says, head back, head back west, head back west across the lake. Um, so at the point of the disciples get back in the boat one of the disciples is peter and at this point the disciples they'll be full of food because they've just had this huge meal um, and me they'll be full of faith because jesus has done another another miracle and what happens is the disciples are in the boat they travel throughout the night and just as dawn is about to break um, basically the wind kicks up against them and they get stuck they're trying to get stuck out on on the lake um, they would have been in a, an old school kind of fishing boat, so they would have had sails and they would have been rowing. But the sails would have been no use, just the wind is against them. So they would have been rowing. Basically, they're just getting bashed around. It's not dangerous. It doesn't look like it's dangerous. Not like, there's a story earlier in the Gospel where they are, with Jesus in the boat, they are caught out in a really bad storm on that lake. It's not one of those moments. It's just that they're stuck. And this time Jesus isn't in the boat with them. He's still on the shore. And we don't know what he was praying about. He might have been praying for them. But they're out there on the lake. So that's where we're going to pick up the story. They're on the lake. He's on the shore. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 14. Uh, If not, it will come up on the screen behind me. And we're going to start at verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, They were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. It's just a staggering story, isn't it? It's amazing. It's a story of fear, and then faith. It's a story about risk, and it's a story of the supernatural. When we read about all the kind of miraculous, jaw-dropping things that Jesus did, this is right up there. It's very difficult to explain this one. There's no science for this. I actually, I did extensive research, i.e. I went on YouTube and typed in, walking on water. Has anyone done it? And... There was some people over in, I think it was Malaysia, who managed to do it. But the way they've done it is basically just pour this huge amount of like chemicals into the water. It wasn't water. It was basically just very thick slime. And they're like, yeah, we can walk on water. No, no, that's not walking on water. This is, there's no slime in this. This is just one of those things where there's no, there's no science for it. There's no explanation. Basically, it's one of those. It's, it's either supernatural, it's miraculous, or it's not true. You just can't walk on water. It's one of those things that we can't do, and yet Jesus did it, and then Peter went on to do it. Jesus walked, if you want to get the scale of this, the, Bible, the biblical scholars think that the boat was probably about five kilometres out to shore. So, anyone's done park run? That's the distance of park run, five kilometres. If you want it in terms of the city, that would be like walking from here to the city stadium in Lechwith on water. That's a long way from shore, isn't it? That's not an optical illusion. There's no way of cheating this. And the ultimate proof, actually, is that if they weren't walking on water, then why did Peter sink? It would just be, It's just a hoax, isn't it? But actually, when Peter loses faith, he actually starts to sink and has to be rescued. So it's a very real miracle. It's a huge risk for Peter when he steps out. This is a guy who would have been an experienced fisherman, would have been used to being on the lake. But he may or may not be able to swim. He probably can't swim. Even if he can swim, he probably can't swim five kilometers back to shore in windy conditions. So he steps out of the boat at huge risk to himself. He steps out because Jesus invites him. So my question for myself and for us this morning is, if you're in that boat and Jesus asks you, invites you to come, would you come? Would we, would we step out? And it strikes me that this whole Peter series, it would be easy over the summer to think, oh, a summer series, I'll dip in and out of it. But this Peter series is, in a great way, it could be quite a dangerous series for us as a church, as individuals, because you can't look at the life of Peter without looking at a life of utter transformation. Deep, deep challenge. There's, some of you will remember a guy called Derek Morphew who came and spoke here a few, when was it, back in February, wasn't it, about the kingdom of God? A guy who came over from South Africa, a really um, kind of a well-respected theologian. And I've heard a different talk that he did on Peter. And I remember he just keeps calling Peter a marshmallow. He keeps calling him a marshmallow. I remember it. I can't do his South African accent, but it sounds even better when he says it. But he talks about how Peter, the story of Peter is one of how Jesus turns him from a, from a marshmallow into someone who's the rock, who he built his church on. And that's what we're looking at this, this summer, I'm um, going to, to look at this morning. It can be a dangerous topic because actually, huge transformation in Peter's life. And when we, that, we absorb that and we look at that as a church, then we, uh, we could be massively changed. It could be wonderful. So, anyway, would you step out of the boat? Would I step out of that boat? If I'm in that boat and I'm thinking, Jesus is inviting me, there's wind all around, would I go? And what I want to do this morning, I just want to look at some of our, perhaps some of our responses, how we might respond. So you might say, no, I'm not doing that. And I'll tell you why not, because I don't trust God. Ultimately, deep down, I don't trust God. And what, I see, what we see in this passage is that God is unchanging. The words that Jesus says to Peter are, It is I, which is exactly the same as what we hear God say to his people throughout the Old Testament. Jesus, uh, God talks about being, I am, I am, I am, Yahweh. It's exactly the same language. Jesus also says to them, Take courage. Don't be afraid. The same language that God speaks to Moses and to Joshua. Jesus is on the water. God has a real history with water, doesn't he? He has a real history with it. He splits the Red Sea for the Israelites. He dries up the Jordan River, like we looked at recently in the, in the Joshua series. This time, God is on the water. Jesus is stepping on the water. When God says, go, you go. And when Jesus says, come, you go to be with him. And this isn't the first time that Jesus has asked Peter out of a boat. It was not that long ago before this story that Peter is in a boat with his friends as a fisherman. And Jesus says to him, come, follow me. And Peter comes. What we see here is that faith is a muscle that we grow. It's not the first time that Peter has left the boat for Jesus. This time, it's just it's out on the water, not on the shore. You know, and I think as a church, we feel that. If you're part of us, whether you're here for the first time today, you've been with us for a while. As a church, we are a church that does trust God, that really does trust God. We've made some big changes over the last couple of years and continue to step into that. And we trust God. When he says, come, we say, right, we will follow you. Maybe you'd say no because you think, well, you know, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to go. I'm not ready to step out. I don't have enough faith for that. Well, we're never fully ready. I remember from my own life, I've said, talked about this before, but I'm part of the team here at the gate that we just talked about in terms of winning that award. Yes, great news. Very happy with that. But it was, it's been just amazing the journey that we've been on here as a church running this place. I remember like three years ago when I felt the call on God's call on my life to step out. It was a huge step. I was uh, in a job I was very happy in, very settled. And I've been doing that for six years. And out of nowhere, I just suddenly got hit by the thunderbolt. It's time to go and do something that I didn't feel. I still don't really feel like I can do. (laughs) Definitely still don't feel like I can do. And yet, do you have those moments in your life where you're like... There's 50% fear and 50% excitement. Do you know what I mean by that? And then sometimes God just ratchets it up and it suddenly becomes 51% excitement, 49% dread, and it just creeps up. And it's one of those moments. I've had that in my own life, and I think we all experience those moments, and that's what, that's what Peter's having here. God's calling him out of the boat. And I think it's when we step out and we take those risks that we're most likely to experience the power of God. We're most likely to see how awesome God is. And it's in those moments when we step out that we actually become most aware of our need for rescue. Which is the moment that that Peter takes his eyes off Jesus. He sinks. And what does Jesus do? Steps in. Stoops him up and rescues him. What an amazing image of the Christian faith that we all need rescue. Jesus not only stoops us up from our choppy waters, but he reaches down and stoops us up, picks us up from our sin and our shame, and puts us right with our Heavenly Father. Maybe you'd say no because what Jesus is asking you to do is it just doesn't make any sense. It would have been really easy for Peter at that point to say, okay, Jesus, clearly you know what you're doing here. You're the one who's got the water walking sorted. Why don't you just come a bit further and come to us? It doesn't make any sense. Why would I come out to you? But then the kingdom of God doesn't make any sense. Jesus' call on our lives defies logic. Peter takes that risk, he gets out of that boat because he is utterly captivated and compelled. Does that sound familiar? As a church, we talk a lot about we are captivated by Jesus and compelled by his love. This is the epitome of that. Peter is totally captivated by Jesus. He steps out of that boat because Jesus isn't, isn't in it. He just simply wants to be where Jesus is. It's a moment in the gospel where we see the utter power and majesty of Jesus. He can't just be a teacher, nor just a rabbi, an advisor. He can't just be a leader or even a healer. You don't step out of a boat onto choppy waters for someone like that. You only step out of that boat if Jesus is the one, if he's the Messiah. You don't do it for anyone else. I remember, it must be about three years ago, uh, some guys on our team, the church staff team, came back. And they had this story, and they'd been, they'd been out, and they'd gone into the traveling community in Tremorpha. And I had that moment of, before I could, and they had some amazing, sorry, they they would tell the story properly. They'd gone out into the traveling community in Tremorfer, basically to go and announce the gospel, proclaim the good news, demonstrate the kingdom, offer to pray for people and just connect with people and share God's love. And my first response wasn't, wow, that's amazing. And it wasn't even, what, tell me more. My response, internally anyway, I think I concealed it, was, what on earth are you doing? Why? Do you know I, mean? I was just, that, that makes no sense. That's so dangerous, you know, by, by reputation, by stereotype. I just could not believe it, that, and which reflects very poorly on me. And then I reflected back, and that is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God does not make sense. The call of God in our lives defies logic. It defies rationale. And that's what we see here with Peter, stepping out of a boat. It doesn't make sense. But it's also important to say, I think taking risks like that is not, it's not reckless. It's not kind of a selfish thing. It's not a hedonistic thing. We don't do it for the adrenaline rush. We do it because God calls us. And why does God call us to do it? Because he loves us too much to just leave us where we are. God always has more for us. He had more for Peter. He called him out of a boat to follow him. Now he was calling, calling him out of a boat to experience the supernatural. And our lives shouldn't make sense. We were at a um, National Leaders Conference this year, this year, six months ago. There was an amazing sermon, uh, seminar by a lady called Katia Adams, and she talked about how our lives won't made sense. She said this example of like, "If you showed your bank account Your bank statement to your friends, would it make sense to them? And if it does, it shouldn't. And I was like, oof. First off, I thought, I'm not sure I want to show anyone my bank account, but even if I did, and it was that, but that same principle, it's the same as stepping out of a boat for Jesus. The way we live our lives, the decisions we make, they shouldn't make sense to the world. It defies logic. Maybe you'd say no because your kind of first reaction would be, no, I I just need to play it safe. I need to play it safe. And the reality is we can't always play it safe. As Peter shows, you can't follow Jesus and not embrace risk. Following Jesus is, is an inherently risky business. It's not a risky choice. If you're here today and you're not sure where you're at with Jesus, maybe you're thinking about Jesus, maybe you're exploring the Christian faith, I want to say right now, it's following Jesus, saying yes to Jesus, is the surest, most certain decision you can ever make in your life. It's really, yeah, sorry, tangent, but that worship song, that last worship song we sang, is the song that I became a Christian to as a teenager, that old, delirious song. And every time we worship, it just brings me back, I've been singing that song for over 20 years, no, what is it, 15, 20 years now? I can't remember how old I am, which is a sign I'm getting old. But um, it's the surest decision you can make. It's utterly changed my life following Jesus. So couldn't recommend it enough if that's you. <laughs> you're here today thinking about it. But you need to know that if you follow Jesus, that doesn't kind of sterilize your life. It doesn't inoculate you against risk, against dangers. In fact, sometimes it can lead to more, more risk. Jesus doesn't calm the storm for Peter before he gets out of the boat. He doesn't make it safe for him to do so. But he does make it possible for him to walk on the water in the midst of the storm. I feel like there's people here this morning who need to hear that. In fact, I know this because I was chatting to someone before the service about this. If you're here today and you're in the middle of something... And you're waiting for it to all calm down before you kind of say yes to God in it or before you take a risk. What we see in this story is that the storm doesn't stop before Peter steps out. And sometimes it's about trusting God in the waves, isn't it? The wind and the waves may still be there, but we still step out and we say yes to God. I had an amazing chat with a friend last week. I, I saw a friend. I haven't seen him for a year. And he uh, basically he's had a, a, just a terrible, well, in some ways, a terrible year. Absolutely terrible year. He was doing fine. He lives in London. He had a good job. Uh, all going good. Good, you know, friends and all, everything. And then he fell off a bike. Bad accident. Really beaten up. And was off work for... Several weeks. And lucky, basically, not to, to be even, you know, it could, could have been a fatal crash. So he was in a really bad way. Several weeks off work. Goes back to work. First week back, loses his job out of nowhere. And, you know, his, basically his life is just, as he knows it, has fallen apart. And in, in the crazy thing is, in the midst of it, he suddenly feels God puts this idea on his heart. Um, it's, a, he's, it's a social entrepreneurship idea. Uh, it's basically, God broke his heart for food poverty in this country. And he, yeah, I do not go into the details because it's not been announced yet. But basically, he's rolling out this incredible uh, software project uh, across, across the UK, which will really help you know, food banks and, and things like that. But the timing was terrible. Of all the things he could not have been in, you know, he's been in such a big storm, you know, beaten up off of you know on this on this bike crash, loses his job, financial problems, all these things. And yet suddenly God says to him, Now's the time to step out of the boat. I want you to go and do this business. And he said to me, like it's amazing chatting to him, he's just come alive. Chant to him, I can see the fire in his eyes. And he just said to me, the amazing thing is what he's realized and what he's learned in the last year is he just said, God is at his strongest when I'm at my weakest. God is at my strongest when I am at my weakest. So sometimes we say no because we want to play it safe. But actually, the storm doesn't stop. There is no safe option. And yet God invites us out of that boat. Maybe you'd say no, because you'd think, well, actually, is this what God's asking of me? I'm not sure. I'm not sure I hear God's voice. I'm not sure he'd ask me to do something so, so crazy. What we see here is that Jesus invites Peter into the Extraordinary. Jesus invites Peter into the mystery. The mystery of the kingdom of God. The mystery of heaven breaking into earth. Now we're not all going to walk on water. We might do. Anyone done it? Not yet. Okay, so let me know how you get on. But we're not all going to walk on water. But we are all invited into the story of the kingdom of God. And we come alive, we come fully alive when we basically set aside fear and we set aside our comfort and we set aside our, our desire for safety and we choose to risk. We choose faith. It does something to our souls when we prioritize faith. And what we're basically saying is that we are it's, it's better to risk failure than it is regret. I was again. I was here. Uh, uh, we had an event about two weeks ago. It's just an amazing evening. I had the privilege of hosting a lady called Sophie. Sophie Ray is the lady who many of you all know. Ripple Living, which is the uh, zero waste shop just up on Albany Road, and we did kind of a. And it, we had about two hundred people came, and uh, we did a an interview with her. I had the privilege of, of interviewing her. And it was just incredible to uh, hear her story. And what just kind of poured out of her was this level of conviction that something had to be done. So her passion, where her heart breaks, is for the city and for the, but for the world as well in terms of waste, in terms of sustainability, um, and you know, making a, a more sus- uh, us and our children be able to have more sustainable futures. And what came across in that interview was she is utterly fearless. Totally fearless. And she is someone who she will risk it all because she just doesn't want to have any regrets. And when you spend time with people like that, it's 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 captivating, but it's also it's inspiring. And I think we are called, when we follow Jesus, as, as Jesus followers, if that's who you are this morning, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, I think we're the same. Like Peter, Peter was, we are called to be fearless people. We are called to be all in. It's interesting, when Peter steps out of that boat, what I love is he doesn't, this is what I would do, he doesn't do the, can I just check, is there a life jacket? Is there a lifeguard around with a, a throw rope. There's no safety nets at all. There's no kind of Jesus. Can I just check? You have obviously know how to walk on water. Can you just tell me the technique? There's none of that. He doesn't check how, but he does check who. And as soon as he knows it's definitely Jesus, then he's in. He's all in. He wants to join him. And at that point, what we see in Peter is He's checking. It's either God or it's not. And if it is God, I need to be with him. And if it's not God, then it's all over for Peter, isn't it? Because Peter's going down. But if it is God, he has to be there. And he knows the rest will take care of itself. And I think that's who we're called to be. That's who I'm called to be. That's who we're called to be. When we look at the life of Peter and when we look at this story... We're told to be all in. It's a picture of the Christian faith. When we follow Jesus, it can't be with checks and caveats. We don't say yes to Jesus and say, can I just check though, is there a, is there a life jacket? We're all in. Also just, I want to finish with this, just to say, when Jesus asked Peter to, to leave that boat, and when Jesus asks us to give our lives to him, he's not asking us to do something that he's not already done. Because Jesus asked Peter to leave a boat. But Jesus has already left a boat. Not that boat, he wasn't on that boat. When we look at Jesus... Jesus left the Father's throne. He left heaven to come down to us. Jesus set aside, this is the Christmas story, but this is the whole story. Jesus came to be with us. He set aside his majesty and his glory, lay it all down to be with us. God incarnate. He came to us to be fully human, to touch people to spend time with them, to teach them, to minister to them, and to ultimately to die for them and rise again. Jesus has left his boat. He stepped out. So when he asked Peter to step out, he's only asking him to do something he's already done. So for you right now, if you're asking, if you feel like God is asking you to step out in something, to take a risk, to grow in your faith, to step out. He's only asking you to do something he's already done. And will do time and time again for us.